0: Welcome, everybody, to the first edition of the Terrapin Station podcast. Uh, I'm joined by staff writers uh, Shane Cress, and Wes Brown. We are here to preview the 2017 season, which will get underway this coming Saturday at noon uh, on the road against Texas. Uh, we're going to dive into a little bit of recap from last season and then kind of bring it full circle to this season and, you know, our kind of expectations heading into this first week. So how are you guys doing today?
1: Pretty good, pretty good. Ready for football season. Pretty good. Yep.
0: That is an understatement. Uh, so let's kind of just jump right in here. Um, last season, obviously the first season under DJ Durkin, uh, six and seven campaign with uh, bowl appearance in the Quicklane Bowl, which you know many may consider you know not a huge accomplishment. But after the year before with just three wins in 2015, I think that was kind of a big deal coming into, you know, for a new coach to come into the program like that. So what were kind of your expectations for Durkin heading into the year and kind of how did he meet those expectations when the year was complete?
1: Yeah, I mean, obviously 6-7 and is not something as a fan you want to see every year, but, you know, 3-6 and in, in the Big Ten isn't too bad. You know, when you look at the actual wins and losses, there's nothing really to be too excited about. We beat, you know, Howard, FIU, Central Florida, Purdue, Rutgers. Only, you know, quality win was Michigan State at home. You know, one close loss at IU. Other than that, not even a lot of games were close, but there was a lot of things that uh, you can be happy about. I think you pretty got to be happy with Durkin in his first year, especially without, you know, his own recruiting class. This year he's got a lot of his own guys coming in, one best recruiting class we've had in a really, really long time. So, I mean, last year wasn't obviously what we what we could hope for, but I think, you know, a bowl game, bowl appearance and a pretty close bowl game at that is is something to, you know, be pretty happy about looking forward. Yeah, the uh,
2: the Baltimore Sun was talking about how he had a crab feast after the scrimmage last Saturday where he sort of is trying to connect with fans because fans really haven't had a connection since they had Friesian back in the early two thousands. Um but a lot of them were saying that they were really happy with how he's able to just like connect. He has so much energy and all this stuff. So it's sort of like the fans sort of understand that what's put out on the field isn't necessarily the best in the country, but they know that that's the overall goal and they think he's the guy that can push
1: him there. Yeah. Durkin definitely wants to win. And I think also another great thing about this season coming up is he finally has the coaching staff he wants behind him. Um, yeah, I think him and Walt Bell recruiting on the road this offseason is going to help a lot. Um, you know, even following them on Twitter, they are so excited for what this team has to offer. So I don't know. It looks like the future is pretty bright. Um, so got a good young class. So you know, excited to see what they can bring.
0: Yeah, I tend to agree. I mean, I mean, Friedman was obviously a great coach, but when was last like, has this program ever had a coach that was you know that enthusiastic? It's crazy just to watch like you know, him on the practice field and see how much energy he brings and like, you know, how much this means to him. So you kind of feel like the players are going to buy into that too. And I mean, they kind of did last year, but now with, like you said, his first true recruiting class coming in, you know, top 25 class, and then building towards that way even next year. I mean, you can't help but, you know, love where this program is going. I mean, there was so much hype when Randy Axel came in and obviously that all came crashing down pretty quickly so it's kind of nice to see somebody that you know has that. He has that fire, and you know will the win. And you know he's not content with just going to bowl games. He wants to win the Big Ten, and obviously that's going to be a ways off. But I think just having that kind of fire is, you know, it can't be a bad thing at all for the program.
1: Especially after Randy Etzel, who was probably the polar opposite of that. I don't think he really cared about the players at all. He was trying to get a paycheck and you know trying to get out. And I kind of think you can see that at UConn, too. I mean, first the first movie made at UConn was getting rid of, like, one of their first scholarship offers. Like, a local kid that, you know, would want to play for UConn forever got an offer, and Randy Edsall came and takes it away. So I think Durkin's definitely a guy that's, you know, for the people, for the players, and, uh, and wants to do good for the
2: school as well. Yeah, because he always talks about how um, the, the starting, like, the depth chart isn't, defined by what him or the coaches see it's how the players react to each other so if you are going hard in practice and all that you're going to earn the respect to your teammates and that's how you end up starting so
0: yeah i mean it's definitely trending in the right direction um let me jump into uh kind of the results on the field last year like Shane said there wasn't anything really exciting i mean the wins are the games you know they were kind of expected to win Maybe not Michigan State so much because no one really thought that they were going to struggle the way that they did, but that was still a quality win. Um, What were kind of your overall takeaways, you know, whether it's a – we can each give one takeaway from last season, uh, whether it's a position or, you know, overall scheme of things. What's kind of one takeaway that you took away from last year, either positive or negative?
1: I mean, I think the biggest one, at least on the positive side, was the O-line and running back play was exceptional. The – Obviously, the only real bright spot of the offense, um, the O-line made it incredibly easy for the backfield to to kind of use their their youth and not have to worry too much about their inexperience, and they made made holes and let them go to work. You know, we had a thousand yard rusher, and Ty Johnson. So it's uh, I think they did a, the offense in general was pretty mediocre, but I think the run game is something to build on and uh, especially with, you know, we got a four-star running back coming in this year as well, so.
2: Yeah, Yeah, I would have to say the offensive line as well, because looking at all their crews they brought in the last few years, people were sort of saying, well, no one really knows how it's going to pan out, because originally they added it up, uh, I believe, uh, I read somewhere that they added up all the star ratings of players on offensive lines, and Maryland had the highest count in the country, so it's sort of Going into this year, this year they have nobody on their starting roster for this week that is going to graduate. So the offensive line is really, really young, and whatever they did last year was miles ahead of what they were supposed to. Yeah, I mean, I kind of agree
0: there. I mean, that's... I feel like that's one thing that Randy Edsel did try to do well, was kind of build up the offensive line. It never really happened, because they really only had a couple big-time recruits, you know, with Damian Prince, but... Um, you know, they've really really attacked the offensive line on the recruiting trail. And I think that, like you said, this is going to be the first year we kind of see what they can do. I mean, I know they gave up, you know, quite a few sacks last year. Um, you know, one of the most in the big 10, but I feel like this year with the lines kind of more set in stone, um, another year for Terrence Davis, who was really impressive as a freshman, just kind of having that continuality, you know, Brendan Moore is obviously, um, one of the top centers in the Big Ten and was, you know, recognized as such in the off season. So I feel like the talent's going to kind of come together this year, and this might be the first year that we kind of see, you know, this offensive line be one of the better units in the Big Ten for sure.
1: Yeah, I and mean, I think you also can see that at any level of, of football, right? It's if, if you have an offensive line that's played together at, you know, high school level, a college level, professional level, a team's going to do better when the, when the offensive line has played together, you know, for a season or for any number of games, um, so I think the cohesiveness at that position is going to help a lot this year with both, you know, run protection and pass protection, which kind of leads into our quarterback play, which was, for lack of a better word, atrocious last year. Like, just gets to the point where you have to stop watching games because the quarterback plays so bad. But I think, uh, I think this year that's going to be, it's going to be a big, uh, a big position for us. I think we have the talent to To really step up that position, obviously it came out you know yesterday, two days ago that Piggy is going to be starting, and uh, I think that was the right move. You know, guy has a year of experience under his belt, but I love the Q- I love having the QB competition between him and Kasim Hill. I think it's going to help develop them both, um, make them both better, and I th- I think we'll see Kasim Hill at some point this season as well.
2: Yeah, and for Kasim Hill's um, future, it's going to be huge for the offensive line because. If he ends up winning the starting role at some point this year, he's gonna be behind an offensive line and all of them are gonna be coming back next year. So it's sort of like this is sort of like last year was the year where there was just sort of what do you have? This year sort of some growing pains maybe, and then after that it's sort of DJ Durkins trying to express put him to victory. Yeah,
0: I, I kinda agree there too. I mean the the quarterback play was bad. I mean, there's no two ways about it. It it was awful. You know, Prairie Hills was never, I mean, was a guy that can run obviously, but his arm was usually pretty suspect. Um, but it was good to see, you know, piggy get out there and get some experience there. I mean, as a true freshman, you never really want to have, to have a quarterback, you know, play a ton of snaps as a true freshman, but um, obviously he was forced into that, you know, had the one start against Minnesota and while you know, at times it maybe wasn't pretty his, you know, as a passer, he, he certainly needs work, but I mean, with a full off season under his belt, I think he could definitely, you know, do better this year. And I think that kind of was the right call putting him out there against Texas. I mean, as much as it sounded like Kasim Hill was impressive, you know, all summer, you really don't want to have a true freshman start his first career start on the road against Texas. You know, it's not like in past years we've had Maryland's face, you know, Richmond, James Madison, Howard, schools like that. So it's not like, you know, it's a cupcake. And, you know, if he kind of struggles a little bit, you know, it's not going to hurt him too much. But uh, Maryland's going to have to be on point in their first game. So I think having Pigram
2: start is definitely, you know, made the most sense for the program.
1: Yeah,
2: and I think- yeah it's sort of like – um, it's sort of like – delaying kind of the way they've run it the last two years where they sort of throw in every quarterback against the richmond's the towsons all that kind of stuff it sort of just delays everything a week which honestly won't be too bad because say something happens week one and they have to put hill in at texas but not he's not necessarily starting so there's no pressure on to succeed you know he can get that experience against a really high-ranking defense and then he can come back and maybe try and win uh, the starting job against the Towsons, the UCFs, and then have that momentum going into the big 10 play. I think it'd be a really good way for him to start his career, you know, then rather than immediately.
1: Yeah. I mean, he's, he's the quarterback of our future and he's the highest rated quarterback I've had in a long time. So I think, you know, we don't want to put all this pressure on him right in the beginning. I don't think it makes a whole lot of sense to do that, but I do think it helps having two very similar style quarterbacks. Um, kind of learning from each other and you know you can have Piggy in there and Cassim and kind of step in and not miss a beat we're not switching the offense we're not running anything different they're very similar style and I, and I think they'll help the, uh, them both develop quicker and uh, especially when you're not having Kasim all thrown in there on the road against one of the you know biggest craziest fan bases in the country
0: yeah I'm, I mean it just it just makes too much sense I feel like and for them to you know Durkin to kind of it seemed today that from his um, media availability that that's basically what he said, you know, you don't, he wants a guy, having a guy with experience like Pagram, you know, it's, it's kind of the way to go. That's never a bad thing. So I think that was definitely the right call. Um, Let's transition into uh, our second kind of key point here. Uh, Keys to success this season. Obviously we talked about the quarterback at length. Obviously that's going to be, you know, for most teams, that's arguably the biggest one uh, with Pagram going in there and, you know, depending if King Kasim Hill gets time. But uh, what's, you know, one key, you know, maybe a position to watch, one key to, that Maryland's going to have to have to be successful this season?
1: Uh, I think the biggest issue I see and, and I think it's going to be a, a disadvantage against a lot of teams is, is our youth. We are starting, you know, a lot of underclassmen. So I think the key is going to be some of the more experienced guys, you know, really working to to develop these guys quicker than a lot of teams need their young guys to develop. You know, we need these guys to step in right away where other teams they have, you know, they can redshirt and have a couple years to develop. So I think we're going to need young guys to play well and uh, especially at key positions, but, you know, elsewhere too. And we're going to need guys from last year to reproduce. We had guys like, you know, DJ Moore and, and Ty Johnson that need to, You know, they have these years and we're expecting them to be that that number one guy. And I think we need them to come back and and prove why they were the number one guy and and fill that role again.
2: Yeah, Maryland, are they going to have to focus on passing this year, I think? Because with the success that Harrison had and Johnson had, a lot of teams are going to start to focus on their rushing, um, especially with Pigram, who is also sort of a running quarterback. They're not going to expect anything out of his arm. So they're going to need the receivers and Pig a room and hill. They're going to need everyone to step up in the passing game so they can sort of create that balance.
0: Yeah, I mean, I agree with that as well. It's, it's it's no secret to anybody that the running game was far and away the biggest success, you know, on the roster. I mean, fourth finished fourth in the Big Ten, almost 200 yards a game. And I mean, those numbers might have been increased a little, even if, you know, Lorenzo Harrison doesn't miss the last five games. Uh, due to suspension but um i feel like also dj Moore is going to be huge for this team i mean we saw last year like how much of a jump he he made from freshman to sophomore year and just how you know overall talented he is when he gets in the open field i mean there's a few guys that are going to bring him down um just case in point the nebraska game where he busted off that 92 yard screen pass um you know, made just about the whole Nebraska team miss and took it all the way to the end zone. There, If Pigram, Casimo, you know, whoever is in there is going to be able to get D.J. Moore the ball, he's going to be one of the best wide receivers in the Big Ten, you know, has that kind of potential. So I think he could be the ultimate X factor if, you know, if he's able to get the ball, um, you know, get a good amount of targets a game, that's going to be a dangerous offense for sure.
1: I mean, in our – it's going to be a tough year. Our schedule is, is nothing to be scoffed at. I think it's a lot harder than even it was last year. Um, you know, I think we have the over-under on wins at like five or four and a half, and I think five is, is – uh, you know, we have four games that we can win, we should win, and we have a couple out there that, you know, we can win. But it's definitely going to be a tough a tough schedule. Um, so I think winning at home is going to be huge. We – Have games like Texas on the road and stuff like that where people are expecting us to lose. Um, So I think it's really important that we win the games we need to win and perform at home.
2: Yeah, I mean, a lot of people were saying that Maryland actually has the toughest schedule in the entire FBS because they have to play um, four teams out of the top 11 at at the preseason rankings as well as Texas on the road. So right there, those are five games people are usually going to wipe off a Maryland schedule. So if they won everything else, that would leave them at – seven and five. So, I mean, there's still obviously games in there. They're probably going to miss, but I, I think it's one of those where they can surprise people by scrapping together six wins again. And that wouldn't, that wouldn't be horrible. You know, people are going to say, Oh, well, you're not improving from last year, but what happened was they, they're playing harder opponents. So it's sort of going to be a give and take this year.
1: Yeah. I mean, six wins against this schedule, I think is a huge success, Uh, a bowl game again, back-to-back years. I think it's going to help recruiting even more. So, uh, I think six is doable, uh, you know, six to seven is definitely a stretch, but I think the way the team played last year and the improvements we've made, I think it's definitely doable.
0: Yeah, yeah, I mean, I agree. I think, I mean, if you look at the schedule, I mean, obviously after Texas, you get a little bit of a reprieve with the UCF, but other than that, I mean, you start a Big Ten play with Minnesota, at Minnesota, at Ohio State, home against Northwestern, at Wisconsin. I mean, those four, first four weeks are pretty brutal. I mean, you know, possibly Northwestern is a team that Maryland could beat, depending on, you know, how their old season shakes out. But, I mean, two top ten teams in Ohio State and Wisconsin, then you sell Michigan and Penn State toward the end of the year. I mean, that's, you know, if Maryland wants to be bowl eligible, they're probably going to have to steal maybe a game or two. Um, you know, you figure wins are probably the top in UCF maybe Indiana, obviously Rutgers, and then, you know, so if they didn't get poll eligibility, two more are going to have to come from somewhere, but if they're able to get to that point, I mean, I think that's a huge success, even if, you know, it's six wins again. I mean, getting to -to back-to-back bowl games, and, you know, if some of these games are close, you know, if they play Michigan tough, or they play Wisconsin tough, you know, whatever the case may be, you know, that's going to create more hype surrounding the program ultimately trickle down their recruiting and, you know, with the new facility and all that kind of positive publicity surrounding the program. I mean, I think that's definitely a positive that they're able to get the six wins. I mean, even if it's rated right five wins, it's not terrible just because this, this schedule has got to be one of the most difficult ones in the country. And I mean, there's, it's definitely nothing to turn your nose up at. Most teams would, you know, kind of, sh- except for the elite programs we kind of struggle going through a stretch like this.
1: Yeah, I mean, if you if you look down, there's there's very few that are, like, gimme wins. I mean, you know, we'll be over under four and a half. I mean, you know, finding five games is definitely tough, but I think there's definitely ones we can steal. Um, Minnesota on the road's tough, but one we can steal. Northwestern at home, one we can steal. And, you know, a team like maybe Penn State at home, last game of the year, maybe they lost a couple and they're out of the, the playoff, you know, picture. Something like that, but I mean, it's it's a tough schedule, but I know I'm excited to see how they how they play in a couple of these big games. I the biggest thing for me this year is maybe not winning some of these games, but just making them close. Last year, you know, we're losing the teams by 30, 40 points. The games, no one wants to watch them. So I, I think if we can keep games against Michigan, games against Ohio State, games against Wisconsin, at least within a score or two, I think it's a, a big improvement, and it's gonna and it's gonna help you know in games other games in the season that are closer, you know, we have the more confidence, you know, the better we play against these teams.
0: So moving on, uh, let's bring it back to so this week. Uh, first game, obviously, on the road against Texas, which we said, um, you know, I was trying to think, think about the last time that Maryland kind of o- opened with a marquee opponent, and probably got to take it back to 2011 when um, – the Terps opened up against Miami in the first game of the Randy Etzel era, which ended up being a win and it was ended up being a crazy game. Um, so hopefully we see a similar result this time around, but what are, what have maybe one matchup you're looking forward to, you know, an X factor for Maryland to kind of have success on Saturday?
1: Uh, I think the biggest thing for us on Saturday is going to be getting out early. Um, Playing Texas on the road is got to be one of the hardest places to play. It seems like Texas is kind of always in talks, you know, preseason ranked kind of every year. And then the last couple seasons, they haven't really done a whole lot. So I think if we can get them on their heels early, put up a couple quick scores, I think, uh, you know, we have a chance to stay ahead and and maybe surprise some people. Um, I don't think a lot of people, you know, we're, I think we're 17 and a half point underdogs right now. Uh, I think ESPN has 90% of the public you know, voting towards Texas. But I think it's definitely a game that is winnable, considering how mediocre Texas has been as of late. Uh, Tom Herman, Texas coach, came out and said that, you know, based on the way they've been practicing and, and, the, and camp and stuff, uh, he still sees them as a 5-7 and seven team like they were last year. Uh, they had a huge up-and-down year last year. Um, some big wins against like Notre Dame and Baylor, and then they lost to Kansas and Cal and a couple teams that they shouldn't have lost to. Um, obviously in a hard conference, but um, I think it's a game that we can get out early and maybe sneak out a W if we can stay ahead.
2: Yeah, it's sort of, um, this year is sort of a good start, I guess you could say, because Maryland's sort of not taking a risk by having this game because Texas are coming in ranked 23rd in the country so no one's expecting them to do much but at the same time they do have a new head coach a lot of young players they didn't do too well last year so maybe this could be their game of growing pains where Maryland comes out really early like you said gets a quick lead on them and the defense which is one of the stronger parts of Maryland's team is able to sort of you know hold it back and keep it close to the point where the offense just needs to make that one play Johnson needs to break that one run or something like that that could give Maryland one of those big wins they need because at the end of the year, when they add everything up, this would still be a win against the 23rd best team in the country, even if they do end up going five and seven again. So it's sort of one of those, it doesn't really matter too much if Maryland loses this game, but if they win, it's a huge exclamation point.
0: Yeah. I mean, there's, there's basically no pressure almost. I don't want to say no pressure, but there's very little pressure on Maryland to win this game. I mean, He said, No one's going to really expect that. I don't know if I expected Texas to be ranked heading into this game just after last year, but obviously the talent is there. And, you know, there's a lot of hype surrounding the program with Tom Herman, obviously, you know, was an incredible coach at Houston. So there's definitely going to be a lot of hype surrounding them. But if Maryland's able to come out and, you know, maybe break that run early, I mean, Texas. Texas's run defense last year was not great at all. Uh, Almost 190 yards a game on the ground they were giving up. So if Ty Johnson's able to break off, uh, uh, you know, that big run early against the Texas run defense, that's going to be huge for um, Maryland coming into this game because if they establish that run game right off the bat, right, you know, in that first, you know, couple minutes and kind of take one one to the house or maybe even break off like a 30-yard run, you know, getting field goal range, you know, even if they only come up with three points on the first drive, I think to go down and score on a team like Texas, this is going to be huge, you know, kind of getting their heads, kind of maybe take the crowd out of it a little bit. So there's a lot of factors at play there. I think, um, I think it's definitely a situation where Maryland is going to have to keep their foot on the gas, especially if they get the lead early on. So, um, we'll we'll see, you know, kind of what happens there, but, I think um, if Maryland's able to jump out to an early lead, they'll be able to have a lot of success throughout the game.
1: Yeah, and I think another big thing is going to be offensive line. Um, Maryland's offensive line, uh, as far as letting up sacks last year, was pretty abysmal. Um, And Texas was ranked something like tied for 12th in, in sacks last year. So I think it's protecting... Piggy in this first game is going to be super important for not only this game, but his confidence moving forward. Um, I think we need to get the running game going early and, and let Piggy get comfortable, keep him keep him on his feet, and uh, let him get a couple throws in there, let him get co- some confidence back and uh, and start the season strong. I think the quarterback play, again, is, is super important this year. So we got to get him feeling like he can win and feel like he can actually make a couple throws and get the ball downfield.
2: Yeah, because one of the biggest problems with Maryland throughout, you know, the last couple of decades is sort of it's either a really close game in which Maryland, you know, that's when they take control, but then they sort of, like you said, they don't keep pushing on the gas pedal like most teams do. They sort of just try and ride it out. Either that or they just come in and you see, like, when they play Ohio State, they just come in, they can't score, they get scored on, and then all of a sudden they're down by three touchdowns and it sort of looks like the team's kind of like, well, we tried. It's sort of, they need to break that habit and sort of get into the habit of scoring first, just pushing down on the gas pedal even farther once you do score and just keep running. Because that's, that's the one thing, you know, Urban Meyer brought to the Big Ten when he came to Ohio State was, he said, I'm not going to stop. And DJ Durkin needs to take some of that and, you know, do the same thing here if he wants to compete.
1: Yeah, getting out early is it's is definitely the biggest I think the biggest thing, and, and that also comes with you know getting players confident. We have a ton of underclassmen starting. I think Texas is returning like 17 starters, um, something like that. So they're going to have a lot more experience than us, um, a lot more fire than us at home. So I think we have to get them on their heels, get the crowd out of it, and then and, and try to get out, get a couple points on the board as, uh, as soon as we can.
0: Yeah, I mean, I agree. It's That's what it's going to come down to. If Maryland kind of falls behind early like they have in years past against, you know, the Ohio States and Michigan's like last year, I mean, we've seen how ugly it can get. But if they're able to come out strong, um, there's no there's no reason they can't this game and, you know, hope maybe even, you know, pull out a win on the road. I think, um, you know, having that hot start is going to be huge, uh, especially in this game, maybe – more so than in,
2: you know, several of the other games this year. Yeah, I've also Um, seen a lot of talk this week about how Maryland's never actually scored against Texas. they played three times, and it's like 102 to nothing. So I feel like, you know, things like that, you know, just going down there and scoring and getting that off your mind, because obviously you hear that kind of stuff as you're a player. You know, you understand what people are sort of saying, so, you know, Things like just little little tiny things like that, you know. Once, what if they can go down and score? That can just clear everything up.
0: So, uh, just to kind of end it here, um, just wanted to get a few predictions, maybe players to watch, or just uh, you know, maybe a player of the game. Um,
1: yeah, I think uh, I think player to watch. Uh, let's. See. I'll go with DJ Moore. I think, I think the run game can get going early and I think, uh, open up the play action and open up the passing game a little bit. I don't think Texas is really expecting much out of the passing game from us. I know they have been preparing as if piggy was starting. So they are preparing for the, the right quarterback, obviously, but I don't think they have a whole lot of expectations for that. So I think, uh, if we can get the run game going early, work inside out and, uh, open up the passing game, I think we can get a couple deep balls awesome on play action and, uh, I think DJ Moore is a perfect guy to get for the deep threat like that.
2: Yeah, um, I'm going to go on the defense. I'm going to say Shane Cockrell. He's uh, just got let back on the team this week, and he just put in the starting lineup. Uh, no one's really heard much about him since his incident before the bowl game, um, so he hasn't seen the field since then either. So it'll be really interesting to see how he sort of comes in and how that whole linebacking crew uh, can try and contain Texas. I think I'm going to stick
0: with the defense as well. Uh, I'm just going to flip it to uh, the front seven, um, maybe Jesse Annabonum or Jermaine Carter. Uh, they're going to both be huge. Um, they're going to have to get pressure on Texas. Obviously, they have a great quarterback. You know, they have uh, they did lose some, you know, other wideouts from last year, but there's still plenty of talent there, uh, even at the running back position. So, if you know if the front seven can get that push and kind of you know, be in the backfield, you know, early enough. And I think a guy like Jermaine Carter is going to be huge. I mean, we saw, I mean, like even in the, I know it was Rutgers, but that final regular season game last year, you know, how talented he can be, how much of a force he can be, you know, and kind of every aspect on the defensive side of the ball. So um, I would say that, you know, he'd be a guy to watch. I mean, be interested to see, you know, how close this game actually ends up being, Um I don't want to say that I would expect Maryland to win, but I think, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if they were able to stay in it and maybe even win, you know, just kind of based off the fact that Texas, you know, has kind of struggled the last couple of years and, you know, has kind of got that in their minds. And if Maryland's able to come out early and have some success, you know, I don't see why they can't win.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I think it's gonna be closer than a lot of people think. I've seen predictions out there like fifty one nothing, forty eight nothing. I don't think it's gonna be that at all. <clears throat> I can see us, you know, going into half with a ten point lead and maybe Texas coming back second half and, and stealing it or something like that, but I think I think this is a one or two score game, you know, at, at worst. I think we can really stay in this one.
2: Yeah, this the this is their best bet at getting it. A- marquee win and this it would it would go a really long way if they can win this game when they're next to non-conference games and go into minnesota and big 10 play three and oh that would be absolutely huge
0: so i think that pretty much wraps us up here today on the terrapin station podcast um we'll be back uh try to jump on early next week and kind of recap texas recap the game and you know give our takeaways from you know what kind of went down on saturday So uh, be sure to keep an eye on the website. We'll kind of preview content heading towards the game on Saturday. And um, we'll uh, talk to you guys next week. As always, go Terps.